Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's the Two Chumps Podcast starring Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino. You're a chump, I'm a chump, he's a chump, we're all chumps and we love football. So if that's who you are, you've definitely come to the right spot. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Gridiron Studs. Whoa. See that? I almost messed that up. We are the Two Chumps Football Podcast. We would like to thank all of you for tuning in. It is week three, episode three of the Two Chumps Football Podcast. Football season's here, Emil. It's here. We wanted it. It's here. We got past week zero, whatever that is. What, zero? Sounds like a drink, was doesn't a zero, it? Zero, wasn't it? It sounds like a drink, like Coke Zero. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we got through week zero. Week one provided us no end to the excitement we'll jump into that in just a moment what happened in dallas what happened all weekend long with college football we do have some picks that we need to get into from the nfl that kicks off this weekend you guys have been anxiously awaiting that both that and our picks man because you know we've been killers in this whole picking well, you were a killer in week one i i was i was the bug listen we cannot overreact to week one and with that, we probably need to jump into things. I think you guys know how this thing works, though. If you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to us on a podcast, Apple, Spotify, however you're doing it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button because you know it's the right thing to do. We come correct on the Two Chumps Football Podcast Network. What are we jumping into? Dion, Dion, Coach Prime, Dion, it's all over the place. Emil, now I did go ahead and slap myself on the back on my Instagram channel at Gridiron Studs about the pick that I made on Duke. I was proud of it, both not from a pick on this weekend sense, but of how I said I think Duke's football is going to go this weekend. So it was a double, a double pat on the back there for me. I let no one know about the big miss that I had on Coach Prime and his Colorado Buffaloes. But Emil, I'm watching that game Saturday. I'm tuned in. I'm leaning forward. And in the first offensive series for Colorado, I knew that I was not only wrong about this pick. I was wrong about Colorado for the 2023 season. We can talk about it being an overreaction to week one. And to a certain degree, I think that might be happening. But Colorado football is real. And so is Coach Prime. Well, it's a good story, right? I mean, I, I think I think it was uh, interesting. You know, yes, we'll get to your Duke. That was good. We'll talk about that later. You and I, I think you had Colorado at four wins and I had them at five. Yes, somewhere around there. I thought the top end for them is five. Now, I'll say this, and, and you know, we'll, I'm tying this together. You thought a lot more of TCU coming into the season, and I'll, and I'll take my shot on Clemson later, than I did. You I, certainly did, and it turns. It, it seems as though, at least through week one, you were correct. Well, listen, I think Colorado's better than we thought, but I also think TCU was way overrated at 17. They had a magical year last year, and if you go back, you look at their season, they won like five games by one score, many of them in the last minute. So those games went their way. They end up in the college football playoff, and while there's no shame in losing to Georgia – there is a little bit of shame when you lost in the manner that they lost. Okay. They were pummeled, for lack of a better term. Pummeled. And then they graduated a lot of the key players off that team. So you couple that with 
the Big 12, the big, I sent you a text. The way they play defense in the Big 12 makes the Pac-12 look like the NFC East in the late 80s. I mean, they do not even attempt to pretend that they care about defense in that conference. It, defense is a cuss word in the Big 12. We can be assured of that. A lot of three-man fronts, loose coverage. I mean, I saw a ton of loose coverage in that game. Who was it, the, the freshman from Colorado, the running back? Good speed, small, not a big kid. Walker, was that his name? Was there... The kid that, that had the, the four touchdowns? Yes. Um, I believe I believe that was, you know what, let's get the name for you here. And I should know that, but um, the kid that had the four touchdowns for them was, I believe, Dylan Edwards. So Maybe that's, he's a freshman, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, he caught that last pass when they were down four. And, and, and I mean, I might have got 30 yards on the play. <laughs> Nobody was home, probably a blown coverage. But just, you know, to put my super football hat on, coach hat on, uh, a lot of loose coverage on guys near to the quarterback. So, like, you know, if you're into football, there's a trips formation, three wide receivers, and that number three receiver right there where the quarterback could literally get the ball and do this, his defenders. Yeah, you're, what you're really saying for, for the novice, you're saying the easiest throw they were leaving wide open. Guys 12, 15 yards off, and I'm like, well, they're going to move pre-snap, aren't they? They didn't. So it allowed Shadir Sanders, who, by the way, Emil, I was thoroughly impressed with. And I'm oh, not yeah. these guys that did not see him play at all at Jackson State. Not totally green like that. But the fact that it's the, just the ease, and this could just be another year of having played football, um, was just the ease at which he was making the reads. Now, granted, TCU, to a certain degree, made those things a little bit easy by some of the things that I said. But he seemingly, he had 47 attempts in the game. He seemingly made the right read on greater than 40. Oh, no, he he definitely – I mean, and, and I think you said this to me in, in a text. I mean, that was one of the main reasons when you look at it, right, why Deion Sanders went to coach at a Power 5 school, I think, is to help his son become what is obviously he's, – he's a top NFL prospect at this point looking yeah, at he's, it. He's literally burst onto the scene – He's put himself in the conversation of the top five quarterbacks that would be uh, eligible to come out next year. And we'll see if he can continue to climb into maybe that, you know, um, very vaunted top three. You know, that's when you're talking, when you get into that top three. So we'll see what happens there. I think Caleb Williams, no one's really going to unseat him unless he just has an injury or goes completely sideways. But it's who's behind that guy. And he's he's putting himself in a position to be that second name. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to him because he makes some throws that, like, even as a fan, I can't believe. But going back to Colorado, um, Travis Hunter, the wide receiver corner, I mean, he was very impressive in the game from the standpoint of, I mean, he had to play 100 snaps, right? 151, apparently. Yes. And he didn't make an interception. If he didn't catch 12 balls, let's say he caught three or four, um, and he had maybe a pass breakup or two, he's still that's still amazingly impressive to go 151. Uh, well, and the temperature on the field was over 100 degrees. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it was it was incredible. Now, offensively, and it could just be again. I want to see more of it to see again see it against other opponents. But you know, I know, I know he's a top-flight corner. But geez, I'm starting to believe that maybe, maybe 
based on that game, maybe really you should be a top flight wide receiver. Well, you know me, I'm going to err to him being a cornerback. I think he's more unique at that position. Um, and he certainly handled himself against, you know, all of the pressure and the things that he was facing in that game, not to mention being fatigued. Uh, he had to be fatigued on a lot of those plays that went his I mean, way. You're probably right long-term. And again, we'll have to see him offensively against some teams that try a little harder test this week. Emil, and by no means am I saying Nebraska is going to come into Colorado and win the game. Nebraska right now does not know how to actually win a game. They know how to play well. They just don't know how to win. a oh, game. They, they invent new ways. That school in the last five years through different coaches has just invented ways to piss away football games. Yeah. So I'm not, <laughs> I would not, if I'm a better out there, um, go putting money on Nebraska in any way, shape or form. A, I don't think you have a better roster than Colorado. Um, and there's something I would not have said maybe two or three weeks ago. I didn't have the benefit though of someone like my ex teammate, Warren Sapp of going, actually going to Boulder and watching these guys. I didn't have the benefit well, of that. So we have to see again, how this, we all overreact in football, college and pro to week one. And, you know, week one is, is, is fun, but we have to see more. I mean, they have some athletes, his Sanders son, the quarterback, the, the running back that we talked about at the beginning of the segment Hunter, they have some kids that are elite athletes. We'll see how the season plays out at, at their other positions. And as, and listen, I told you this, I don't care where Hunter trained. I know you mentioned something about training with Lance Armstrong. <laughs> no, that was a joke. Oh, okay. Well, listen, I don't know. I, I mean, how do I know? You think that I wouldn't put that past <laughs> no, that you? Was a, no, that was a, that was a total okay, that was joke. The, the, I missed the kid did a lap after the game, slapping high fives with Colorado fans at the game. Like he should have left in an IV. Yeah. Listen, I'm all, I'm usually Mr. Sarcastic. I apologize for missing your sarcasm on that. Cause I thought maybe he did. He's got to watch. That's a lot. I mean, if he's going to play him like that, all year if he makes it to the end of the year without being injured that that would be an upset that and would be a miracle and if he makes it to the end of the year without being completely like a relief pitcher who got used six times a week for four months and everybody looks in august and they go hey uh Abel over there is, is throwing like four miles an hour slower than he used to uh yeah well Abel, here's what here's what i'm not going to do okay um I'm not going to doubt Deion Sanders anymore. Um, all I've seen as a lifelong fan of him since he's, you know, jumped on the scene at Florida State to see the guy win. Um, I've seen him win at Florida State, seen him win in the NFL draft, see him win as um, an Atlanta Falcon, see him hop over and play baseball and successfully do the two, um, seen him win there, seen him win a Super Bowl, see him play in a World Series, like, all right, how much do I need to see? So here's where two Super Bowls, two Super Bowls, Dallas and San Francisco. Yes. Um, here's what this is for me. All right, because I'm the guy that said TCU 48-14. So what has happened is I'm in a boxing match. Guy comes out and hits me with a jab and a combo, and now I'm going to sit back and I'm going to test this guy out a little bit. So I'm going to sit here and watch Colorado football and see how a how they come back from all of the hoopla and mental fatigue that this this game here might have provided 
not saying that they can't jump back up and do the same thing because I didn't believe anything that they did on this field. So I'm not messed I, I with didn't either. I, listen, first of all, I'm a Sanders fan because he played for the Cowboys, first of all, and I always liked him. I liked him when he played for the Falcons back when he first got in the league. So I like Dion. So I'm all for it if he succeeds. It's not like I'm rooting against him. I'm just I think both of us my... said ultimately he'll succeed at Colorado. We didn't think ultimately would be going into TCU and win. You know, and you, you know the irony with them with them playing so well in the first week. Here's the irony that isn't lost in life, right? It's a song back in the 90s, isn't it ironic? <laughs> well, what's ironic is the last season of the Conference of Champions, as Bill Wall would yes. say, this is the best top to bottom this conference has been in a long time. You got five teams that I think are definitely legit, USC, Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, and Utah, in no specific order. You've got two more, three more that are very competitive, Colorado, UCLA and Arizona. You get to I the mean, Arizona the State went out and blew out an opponent as well. We don't know what they're all about. We don't know. So what I'm saying is there's probably Colorado blew somebody out. I mean, Cal blew somebody out. The Do we know what Washington State is? Top to bottom. They didn't lose a game in the first week of the season. Now you could say, well, they played this team from the Mountain West. Notre Dame played an HBSC school. Yeah, I mean, right? any time. But even Amel, I expected – I wouldn't have been shocked if Stanford lost to Hawaii, who's already played a game, and they went right. out there and, you know, made mincemeat. Beat them by two scores. So, so I mean, the it's ironic. Go ahead. No, it's ironic that the conference is 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 actually gotten so competitive, and a lot of these teams are leaving for different conferences. And I think in some ways it's going to be good for Colorado's program, because that's the subject here, right, to go to the Big 12. The Big 12 is is – Losing Oklahoma and Texas, the traditional blue blood bad boys in the conference, mm -hmm. they're picking up the corner schools from the pack, the old Pac-12. So, so really, Colorado goes there with Utah, who's always going to have a good program. And then, you know, the rest of it, I mean, we don't know the staying power of TCU or, or any. So, I mean, it's ripe for a team like Colorado to come in there with a Utah, maybe. And all of a sudden become the bad boys of the Big 12. It would be, it, you know, it definitely would be nice. So the good news for Colorado is that you've started off the season great, better than anyone outside of Boulder or with the last name Sanders would have expected. Right, right. To, listen, I don't know how many of my friends put stuff out there publicly, but to a man, virtually all of them are surprised by what he was able to accomplish and the team was able to accomplish on Saturday. Some are open about it. Some are very quiet about these things. That's the good news. The bad news is that the rest of this conference looks like it's going to be strong this year. And so you've got Oregon, you've got USC, you've got Arizona state, UCLA, Oregon state, you've got all these guys on your schedule and you're ending the year at Utah. So you're going to have some tough hurdles to climb. The other thing is overnight, You've gone from we don't expect anything from these guys to these guys could possibly get into the Pac-12 championship game. So that means you're going to get favorable spreads uh, this week. I think they're only I think they're favorites this week against Nebraska. And so that's what you're going to be looking at down the road. And they're going to be people pretty you know motivated to get after Colorado. So I will say this, Emil. I think Deion Sanders 
is going to absolutely crush it in recruiting. I just, you know, when I look at what he was able, what he's been able to do with someone like a Travis Hunter, I grab this kid and I have him follow me to Jackson State, which was a remarkable thing to have happen. You know, a kid, a top five-star kid like that going to an HBCU, promising him some things and fulfilling on all those promises and then some. And this is something that's kind of been lost in, in big-time college football. Most of these recruits get lied to. Deion Sanders is following through on this and then some, and there's a lot of guys out there looking at that. And he spoke about it on one of these talk shows where I'm going to find more Travis Hunter types because he can certainly identify with that, a guy that could play on both sides of the ball. And I'm getting them to come with me because I'm showing you that I can deliver on that. I know how you think, and I, we can get that done. Not only that, though, the marketing, his name's all over. He's all over TikTok, Instagram, everywhere. He is going to absolutely crush it in recruiting. And now being in Colorado seemingly is a really great place for him to be really close to Texas, really close to California and grab the best of the best there. And he has Florida roots. He can go grab kids there from Florida and he's going to do wonders in a transfer portal. That's going to be the biggest story to come down the road here is how he's going to kill it in recruiting. Yeah, I don't doubt that. I mean, you you wonder though how long will he stay at Colorado? I mean, you sp you mentioned it. I think a big part of his motivation to move from Jackson State to Colorado was to put his son and you know maybe some of these other guys on a bigger stage and also get his coaches better pay than they could at a Jackson State at one of these big schools. So he may be content. Hell, he's wearing a black cowboy hat. Maybe he's a great actor. He looks mighty comfortable being in Boulder. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm asking the question. I don't, the, I don't expect an answer to it. I mean, we'll we'll see. Again, I'm rooting for him. I suspect he'll do just fine. It's hard when you when you start off that well because there's only one place to go. <laughs> oh, I know. People are expecting so much. Um, how long he stays there, I don't know. I had to, a chance to see up close and personal. What what happens when he departs? Because I went to the FAMU Jackson State game in person on Sunday and uh, Jackson State's fan base did not show up. It was nothing like what it right. was last year. So that whole thing has emptied out there and it's, you know, um, and FAMU was really dominating the game. Maybe they got bored in the second half. It was 28 nothing. Could have been 35-42 nothing at the half. Ended up being 28-10 because, you know, FAMU's – felt a certain way about the way things were going, but it's, 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 I don't want to say it's gone back to what it was pre Dion. It's not Dion at all. Anyway, before we, before we get into the rest of college football, touching on some stuff and we'll put this one to bed and make our picks. I wanted to ask you, this is a question that popped into my mind when we were talking about the game on Saturday texting. And I forgot to ask you, and I wanted to ask you on the show, Honest question now, how many of these kids, without looking it up, do you think actually know who Deion Sanders is? Now, I'm not talking about in Florida where maybe he's had a presence. Like, I'm talking about if I went up to a high school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, walked up to a 17-year-old football player before this week. They know now because they saw him on TV. They see him as a coach. 
how many actually know the kind of football player he was? Because we have an entire country. It doesn't well, that's know a who different George question. So, so, so what is the question? That they know who Deion Sanders is or if they know who Deion Sanders, the football player, was? Deion Sanders, the football player, was. I would say I would venture to say a good portion of black football players would know because of their parents, most likely. Yeah. Um, all, virtually all defensive backs will know who he is because he just right. changed the thoughts about the position. He's the reason I played defensive back. Because if he didn't, I had, there were defensive backs I liked. Someone like a Leroy Irvin had played for the Rams, but I never aspired to be like, the guy wore 47 and and he had, uh, he had like bowler's gloves on. Like Dion added a pizzazz to the position that said, oh, okay, you want me to play DB? I could do that. This guy looks like it's fun. And so I can yeah. So those guys are going to know, but it's hard with that because you're talking about a guy that played last in, you know, the early. He played almost 30. His prime was almost, we're going getting close to 25 years ago. Yeah. So, so that I guess me coming around and playing ball, let's say my senior year of high school was 1990. And you're talking to me about a guy who was playing in 1960. We'll give you a question. You were at Long Beach state, right? You played with, for Willie Wood, right? Was it, was it Willie Brown? Willie, Willie Brown, Brown and then George Raiders for that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So did you know who he was before you went there? I did. Not a fair question though, because I'm. I, we had something called NFL Films back then. My father was a Raider fan. Um, well, and, and he had the interception that's famously always chronicled against yeah. the the Vikings. And I, and I played defensive back. Now, if it was a defensive lineman from the Raiders. Um, I might know who he was, but maybe not so much of what he had done. So it's not fair to ask me that. I know. I, I, I think where I'm getting at is, and I think you hit on something, and this is another show because we have to move on. But when you, we have a country where half the people probably don't know who George Washington is. Yes, sadly enough. Sadly. Okay. No kidding. I'm saying that maybe I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't think so. I think you're on to something where I think a lot of, black football players would know who he was because he was culturally important in, yes. in football. I mean, he had a, he had an album. I'm not sure if I walked into high schools around where I live, or like I said, Maryland walked up to a lineman, six foot five, 275 pound white kid before this weekend and said, what did Deion Sanders do who do you play for in the nfl what position do you play I, I think i'd get a blank stare from half of them maybe you would it'd be hard for me someone like me to imagine that but i don't i don't doubt it i remember my first year coaching high school football and i started mentioning guys that i played with at the university of miami that are you know wildly popular um and those guys were giving me blank stares and i had to sit there and think about it right good grief they you didn't know you weren't even they born didn't. You know, yeah, so but they didn't know. They don't care about the history of it. Anyway, let's move along. Are you a guy that can predict the future or may have a mean poker face? How about a love for horses or you just know who's going to win the game? Don't just be a profit, make a profit. And you can do that when you open an account at Bovada Sportsbook and Casino today. Whether it's getting down on the gridiron action, wiping out the dealer in a card game, making some change on the race of the ponies, or cashing in on celebrity events, Bovada Casino is the place for you to draw your line. Since 2011, Bovada has been a leader in the online casino industry, spearheaded by their top-of-the-line customer service, easy deposit, secure payouts, and great welcome bonuses. Head over to Bovada now to see what they're offering you to come in and scratch that itch you're having. Click on the link in the description and tell them the Gridiron Stud Show sent you.
because we had a lot of other interesting things. Sunday, I'm losing track of my days. Sunday night, my favorite coach, Brian Kelly, he's a guy I love, Brian Kelly. <laughs> he the decided that it's dripping off of yeah, this. He decided that three points is not important anymore. So not only did he piss away three in the first half, he did it again. <laughs> he just said, I'm not kicking Sometimes a field goal. I think that's a lack of respect for the opponent, which shouldn't have happened. But the man did say, um, and it was caught on audio, it might have been at a booster meeting or whatever. He said they were going to beat the heck out of Florida State. On Thursday, before the game, he said, we're going to beat the heck out of Florida State. I, I personally, and this is the old school in me, never understand coaches early in a game that always feel like, well, we got a fourth and goal at the one. We have to go for it. You don't have to go for it. If the previous three plays, you didn't look too good and you didn't, you know, you weren't getting a good feel. Take the three points. There's nothing wrong with being up three, nothing. You never know how a game's going to go. Oh yeah. I hear you. That's a, I, I might push back on that. You're at the one yard line. You know, you're trying to send a message to your team. You're trying to send a message to your opponent. If I can't turn around and hand the ball and get my big guys up front to push your big guys a yard and get my guy in the end zone, am I setting myself up for something the rest of this game where there's a mental thing? Well, the message, the the problem is, right, because we don't know how these things turn out, so we always have the benefit of history. We're looking back at what happened. But the problem is when you fail early in the game, it really sends a message because your offense just drove 60, 70, 80 yards came away with nothing and it, true it, i mean the common yeah. belief is take the points early in the game and I'm early like, like i'm talking first quarter <laughs> i like getting that lead uh, no i do and you want to keep pressure on your opponent i'd be more inclined to run with that if we're at the three five yard line yeah. one yard line though i'm probably the guy to be like hey let's well, go kelly year. and lsu failed in that game Six times on the first drive because they got the holding penalty in the end zone, I think it was. So I think they had six failures down there. They 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 pissed away three points. Then the second time down there, they failed again. So, I mean, they left at least a touchdown on the field. Mm. Uh, went to the half up 17-14 only because of, I don't know what Florida State, if you remember that draw play, LSU was trying to run the clock out. Sure. And then Florida State just imposed their will on it. I mean, the second half of that game was really just looked like Florida State say, saying, we're tougher than you. It was almost just gonna... like it was a lesser opponent. Um, you know, one of those games where you just mess around with a lesser opponent in the first half, and then you get yelled at in the locker room, and you come out in the second half, and you just do what it is, you, you know, whatever you want to do. That's what it kind of looked like in the second half. We taped last week on Wednesday um, – and we talked a little bit about this game. Neither one of us made it a pick. And I told you I was leaning Florida State. And I said, ask me again tomorrow, and I might have a different answer. Well, the next day was Thursday. Um, and I believe that's when I did hear what it is Brian Kelly had to say. And I was like, I can't lean LSU after that. That's You've got to have a certain amount of respect for your opponent. And I'm not saying everyone has to be Nick Saban. But that's just not something a Nick Saban no. He goes uh, you know, the board giving respect to the opponent. If Kelly ends up failing at LSU, which it's early, I'm not saying he will. I'd be surprised, saying, though, Emil. I would be. If he does, it may be because he's not 
I sense he's not being true to himself down there. And what I mean by that is, Oh, where'd you get that idea? Yeah. Right. He was a certain guy at Cincinnati and then Notre Dame, kind of a buttoned up guy, a little bit cranky, you know, just like you'd picture a guy named Brian Kelly being sure. And now he goes down there and he's doing dances. And I think he's, he, he's trying to too hard to fit in rather than saying, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to be me. That's why you hired me and, you know, work that way. So we'll see where it goes. I th- But I think if he ever does fail there, it will be, and he'll look back and say, I wish I just was myself. I feel like he's not necessarily doing that. I think you're right on that. If there is a failure, it would be because of that and not necessarily X's and O's or organization or any of the other things that have made him successful in his previous stops. I think it would be too giddy to be at LSU and have this talent and maybe feeling some kind of pressure from being in that position and doing something you haven't done in these other places that would bring his downfall. I have a feeling he'll come to that epiphany at some point really, really soon where he realizes I just need to be Brian Kelly, who was at Notre Dame, who was at Cincinnati and these other stops where I had success. Um, The hard thing for LSU, if you look at, you know, I I think I sent you their schedule a little bit. They're home. They have a couple home games like Arkansas and I think Mississippi or Mississippi state, but then they have some road games like Alabama. I mean, they've got to get back on the horse real quick. And what makes it hard is after playing that game, instead of playing like a weaker power five team, they're, I think they're, I think they're into one double a this week. So it's going to be hard for them. That always to, sucks to, to get that taste out of their mouth because they're playing somebody that everybody knows they're going to beat. Right. Um, yeah. That's the same thing for Florida too, which we'll get into in just a moment. But um you know, that's going to be interesting and to, to see how that whole LSU thing plays out for them there. All right. Before we get into the breakdown of some of these bigger matchups that we had on the weekend, Emil, give me your thoughts on your head coach in the midst of a blowout, shedding tears on the sideline. Is it going to be difficult for you as a player oh. to be under the command of someone like a Butch Jones who full on had his cheeks wet on the sideline in the middle of a 73 to nothing railroading by Oklahoma, who had a lot of frustration, able to get off of their chest. Give me your thoughts on Butch Jones full on boohooing on the sideline. Oklahoma, first of all, Oklahoma looked like a guy that just got out of prison after 20 years and met his first girl in a bar. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my God, all of you ladies out there watching and listening to the show. I mean, my God, what they did to Arkansas State. And here's the thing. Yes, they literally busted. When you told me my coach was crying, I started thinking, "You're t- was Lincoln Riley crying? My coach. But then I, I, I calmed down. Listen, I'm all for a good man cry, but not on the sidelines. I, I get the guy was frustration, frustrated, right? His kids are getting the hell beat out of them. He feels like he's probably letting them down. You know, it's it's got to be frustrating as a coach. He cares about the kids. But that's one you got to go in the locker room. If you got to get that out of your system, close the door. Because you can't – I just don't think you can do that. No, you can't. Um, you know, I was talking to Carmen about this, and she seemed rather, you know, indifferent. No way to the other. I said, listen – 
if I'm if I'm jumping out into the waters at Normandy and a couple of guys go down, I don't want my general in tears. I need to believe that we're going to climb that damn beach and we're going to blow these the opponent back and we're going to reclaim the land and we're going to win. I don't need you crying. I'm going to be like, holy crap, this is the general. He's been in this before. We're in real trouble. I'm going to take one between I'm a hundred percent with you. And I don't think it's about like, we're a lot of, you know, you get a lot of real macho guys about the, it's not that he's crying. It's where he's crying. You can't let your team feel like they're victims. Like, in other words, to me, if I'm a kid watching that, what is, I feel like I'm a victim too. Then of course, call call the police. Hey man, go into the suburban, lock the doors and yell (laughs) and scream and rip up the inside of that car and then come back out and face your team. Butch Jones, you can't do that. No one's going to feel sorry for you because Cincinnati Butch Jones beat Austin P 72 to 10 one, one year. So this yeah. is football, Emil. We've come to understand that that's what it is. If you can hang 73 or 81 like Oregon did on a team, you do that because that's what the voters and your fan base want. But, I mean, at least Arkansas State's a D1 team. I'm not sure I quite understand – Oregon bringing in, you know, an FCS team and hanging 81. <laughs> I heard Oregon played everybody. Um, they were. Yeah, full... I mean, you're right. And listen, we didn't they watch played the everybody. Game. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, they can't put the cheerleaders in. I mean, you know, play. is it parents weekend? Do any of you guys <laughs> have eligibility? Come on down. Um, I It's seemingly they tried, but they couldn't do anything uh, to stop the 81 points. All right, ready to take a victory summer. lap yet? I'm going to give you your victory lap. Um, we'll get to that. Let's hold that one first Thursday night. Speaking of, you know, going overboard on week one reactions. One whole year ago, Utah traveled to Florida and Utah was fully expected to beat Florida. They're starting this, albeit very talented quarterback who's he's green. It's Anthony Richardson, who's, by the way, going to start his first NFL game. Yeah. Um, the total belief there is that Utah was coming there. They're physical. They were favorites in the game. They should have won. Florida ends up winning this. Um, Utah sucks. Florida is um, probably looking at potentially a date in the SEC championship game at the least. That's not how this thing unfolded. Nope. Uh, um, and then a whole year later, Florida's slide continues. They looked ugly in the in the bowl uh, game against Oregon State. They got their faces handed to them. Then you go to Utah. Emil, it's not so much that they lost this game because I fully expected Utah to win, being at home, you're starting a new quarterback in Florida. It's just the lack of passion, the lackluster way that I saw Florida come out. If you lost your bowl game the way that you did and you're the University of Florida and you've got all this pride and you've been facing all this doubt all offseason, you should have come out the way that Colorado did against TCU. I saw nothing. Nothing. And, you know, the comment I made to you that night during the game was it's not like Utah did anything to beat Florida. Mm-hmm. I Florida, mean, Florida didn't do anything to try and take this game away from Utah. Right. I mean, Utah was very vanilla. I know they had their, their backup quarterbacks, not bad. I've seen them play in situations last year. Rising tends to get beat up a lot and miss time. So it's not like the kid was, was a bad player. It's just that Utah – basically had a very plain vanilla game plan. They didn't do much, and Florida just said, well, here, take it. it yeah, wasn't... I like, forget any um, connection you may have to the school, as I do. Um, just as a football fan, you're kicking the season off, so to speak, with this Thursday matchup. 
and it just was not exciting whatsoever. Florida's going out there, false starting, guys dropping the ball wide open. Um, they Even when they made a play on defense, you didn't see guys fired up, jacked up. And listen, Florida, that's the way you're going to go and approach this 2023 season. Your coach, his second year in here, is going to be in deep hot water, and you're going to start to look like a really bad job if Billy Napier has to go after your Yeah. I mean, I, this I mean, is not a good look, job anymore. Did you go down their schedule and synthesize what, what, what you watch? That could be a four or three win team. Easily. 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 Yeah, easily that could happen if they don't find a light, uh, a light switch and flick it or start a fire there or a fight or something. Um, they're going to be in a lot of trouble this season. The fans are going to want the, you know, Napier's head. And now you're looking at another head coach. I don't know who takes that job. I jokingly said on Twitter, well, you tried three M coaches. You went to an N coach. That didn't work. Bring on Ogeron. I mean, do y'all like, let's just run through the alphabet here, but it's not looking. I like mean, you're right. It's funny. You're saying it, but at some point, what, it, who's going to, you know what I mean? That job becomes, you're already recruiting in the sec. It's tough enough. Florida state's back on track. Miami seems to be headed in that direction. It could be back to our youth. I told you back. People forget before Charlie Pell for the younger listeners, go look him up. And Emmett Smith got to Florida in the early to mid eighties. Florida was really like they were in the dumps. Go look at some of their season by season records back then. They were, you know, very number three, number three in the state at that point. Yeah. Very mediocre. So um, I'm not looking for that to happen to Florida. It's a proud program. I'm from the state of Florida. Uh, kids I know go there. I want to I want to get back to a situation where Florida, Florida State, and Miami are at the top of college football. Florida State is there right now. Uh, Miami looked very impressive uh, in their game, albeit against a lesser opponent. But I saw some things there. Yeah, this game that that was missing last year. So. Um, there's going to be a better University of Miami football product this year. Just how good we will definitely find out this Saturday when Texas A&M comes. Well, we, we got to make picks. So I want to first do your victory lap on Monday, you know, and listen, first of all, as bad as you are on your TCU, my Clemson's worse. Okay. Cause I, I picked Clemson to win the ACC and I know it's only one week, but I see they seem no eliminated way. from such a thing. Yeah, the there's no way that Clemson team is winning the ACC. Uh, suddenly, Emil, they've become remarkably offensively challenged. They still played well defensively last night until it seemingly their backs were broken. They're just, you know, sometimes your defense is like, we're not going to get any help from the other unit. So, Well, but let's also say this, and th this is a comment I made to you, and I want to say this to the listeners. The days of the old Miamis and Florida States and USC under Carroll and the early Nick Saban teams, where you hold teams to nine points a game for the season and 250 or 260 yards. Those days are over. In college football these days, you basically stop the opponent three ways. You either sack the quarterback, put them behind the sticks, turn them over, or they make dumb penalties like holding and they put themselves behind the stick. Or you're willing to give up those, yard, those yards and then you tighten up in the red zone and force But that's my point. That's what Duke did. Clemson had 425 yards of offense. They scored seven points. They, they fumbled twice at the one yard line. They had two field goals blocked. I mean, do we re do you remember how Clemson scored a touchdown? Uh, re refresh me. Kid muffs a punt. 
Clemson oh, gets it. Correct. I mean, that was it. That that's that's it. So no, I'm not disagreeing. I think they're offensively challenged because they it's not that they can't move the ball, they can't execute, which is a big problem, as you know, in football, because everything most teams, especially in college now, are gonna let you play between the twenties. It's too hard to stop your opponent. And like you said, too you many tighten play. up. Yeah, you tighten up inside the 20. If they kick field goals, good. That that's a win. And I think Clemson, because they can't execute, they're going to have a long season offensively. Yeah, and their problems offensively were highlighted by the fact that their previous quarterback, who they had to bench, DJ Ugalele, goes to Oregon State, and he's twenty of twenty-five for two hundred thirty-nine yards, three touchdowns in their game again. I mean, against San Jose State, who was not terrible against USC. So. Oh. It looks like the problem is in Clemson. And yeah, and I mean, San Jose wasn't terrible in that game. It's, that game got out of control late third quarter, and I, I really couldn't figure out San Jose's defense because every time I turned the game on for a little bit, they were rushing three guys, and this guy's like who, who was make, not making great decisions at Clemson last year, and I understand you're San Jose State, but you got to at least try to make him play faster. I mean, he stood in the pocket on that one play that your brother sent around. Eating Pringles. I, yeah, I mean, he could have he could have pulled out Pringles exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Uh, what we saw there, kudos to him for at least recognizing he didn't um, need to hurry up. I don't want to get off of the Clemson thing without giving um, total props to Duke. Duke started showing me something last year. Um, not only in the games that they won, they happened to win nine games. You just don't see Duke doing that, but they were tough in those games that they did lose. So I, I'm seeing something there in Amel. They've got something in that quarterback kid. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Duke Duke looked good. I mean, it's going to be interesting for them. I think week four, I don't have it in front of me, Notre Dame comes in. And how interesting would that game be if they're both undefeated, which they both should be? Seemingly, they could be. Let me take a quick look at what Duke has laying ahead of them. You know, granted, anything, anyone they play next week, um, well, it's Lafayette. So scratch that because they're going to say next week's game's got to be a tough one. But it's Lafayette. Then it's Northwestern. Then it's Connecticut. Amel, they're, Listen, they're going to be undefeated. They're going to be four, they're going to be four and zero. Northwestern uh, is is as bad as I've seen in a Power Five in a long. I mean, that is one bad football team, especially offensively. Uh, Connecticut, they're not. I mean, Duke should be four and zero when Notre Dame gets to town. Connecticut was tougher than people expected, but um, they're not. I mean, listen, when is the last time? This may be the first and only time that we said can't wait for the Notre Dame Duke showdown. That's what we're going to get um, coming up in about a month here. So I'm looking forward to that. And I, I'm still sticking with Duke has a really good chance to be in that last in that ACC championship game against what looks like a Florida State team that's angling for a college football playoff. I will say this. My school is going to have something to say about that. So that's going to be uh, it's definitely going to be fun to see. The ACC has become interesting. Well, actually, two con the two conferences, like we said, the ACC and the Pac-12, at least early, have outperformed the other conferences. Yes, most most definitely. And anytime the SEC shows any sliver of weakness, the public goes nuts on it. All right, I don't know that we need to get into anything else that happened on the college football. No, we need to get into our picks and, and uh, do a little. I'll do a quick recap since you you took care of your business last week. Okay. Chad, um, Chad hit his. Yes. I mean, games will play out the way Penn State and West Virginia did this year. I don't know if you You'll followed lose it. Some, so 
just take credit. Ch- Chad went two and one. His loser was TCU. We've chronicled that. We don't need to talk about it any anymore. He had Penn State given 20 and a half, and that was the alumni. I call, I explain it to my wife. That's the alumni touchdown. Penn State had it deep in West Virginia territory, 50 seconds left in the game, up 31-15, easily could have taken a knee. That's when I know the coach knows the point spread because it's the first game of the year. I'm telling you, it's something. First game of the year. He's got some boosters out there who made some fun five-figure bets, and he's not going to send them home. Pissed off. I don't know if it you. goes that deep, Amos. Oh, I do. I believe these guys know. No, come on. I know I the spread. Listen. I'm the head coach. I know the spread. We are judged by the spread, whether we want to believe it or not. We're judged by the spread so long as we're in the running for this final thing. And he said, let me cover this. You're number. much kinder. I think they know and they want to make their guys happy that support the football program. Regardless, they punched it in. Chad wins that one. He wins Duke on Monday night. He end, that's You end everybody's Labor Day with a nice win. You go two and one. Me, my week got started well and went worse. I had Nebraska, plus seven, easy winner. Yes. They lost 13-10, but they led the whole game. Yeah, okay. Minnesota. You want to talk about Clemson being challenged offensively? Minnesota's giving me Iowa vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bo- Boise State, I had plus 14 and a half games tied in the middle of the second quarter. Amel, mentally, so, I was with you on that pick, but I don't know. No, what- Washington put it to them after that middle second quarter. They beat them by 37. That's a loser. And we talked about San Jose State. I don't know what that defense was doing. I mean, that I was anyway, I took a loss there. I was one and two. You're two and one. I'll go first in college and you'll go first in the NFL. Sounds good. Okay. We talked the whole segment, probably 20 minutes about Colorado, Nebraska. Uh-oh. Okay. You're going there, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm going to get Dion your phone number. They play this game and Dion's going to have a receipt from me. Okay. Because here's what I don't understand. I watched those two teams play last week. Yes. Okay. The preseason line was Nebraska minus seven and a half. If you bet that game back in August. Was it? How did you know that? Did you just have. I looked it up. I looked it up. Now that should be completely flipped. If I watch those two teams play. There's no way Colorado should be giving Nebraska less than six to seven points. Having watched Colorado go on the road and beat a team losing the national championship game and Nebraska lose to a Minnesota team, which really, really looks offensively. So you think odds makers are trying to lure us in. Is that what you think it is? It, it feels, it just feels like the sucker bet because I don't even have to lay a field goal. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Nebraska plus two and a half. Well, I, I keep saying this. Matt Rule is a really good coach. No matter what people want to believe, he was a really good coach before he got to the NFL. He was a really good coach at Baylor. He's he's going to have some coaching pride in this game as he watches Dion take victory laps. And Dion's going to have to convince 80, 19-year-old kids, okay, that, that, they, that, that they didn't do anything except win a game. You are I'm taking Nebraska man. plus two and a half. You are a brave man, Emil Calamino. That is going to be a sold-out Colorado Buffalo Stadium. It's going to be loud. It's going to be – everyone's going to be drunk. Um, and Correct. So every so that means every wise guy in the world should be taking Colorado, right? 
I, mean, I don't know if that's how wise guys operate, but hey, there you go, man. Nebraska. I got Nebraska plus two and a half. Now I go to another game and don't misunderstand the pick. The team I'm picking against, I think, is a good, solid football team. But we both know NC State's a different team at home. They get somebody every year or get close. Mm. Last year, I think Clemson beat them 21-20 or the year before. They missed the field goal. I mean, I'm getting a full touchdown with NC State at home this week against Notre Dame. And it's not that I don't think Notre Dame's a good football team. I Why just I think feel like you've just been waiting for the moment. No, I just don't think they've been tested in any way, shape, or form to play a, a road game and lay a touchdown. Navy, they had all summer to prepare for. It wasn't the normal one week. And last yes, week they played problematic. Right. And last week they played Tennessee State. So Notre Dame's coming in feeling really, really good about themselves, but not the right way. They're not battle tested. And yes. I think it's you're I'll be impressed if they cover the spread. I don't think they will. Give me NC State plus seven. Righty. And then finally, I see nothing, nada, zero. I don't care what they did week one that warrants Texas A&M being installed as a four and a half point road favorite at Miami. Okay. Doesn't make sense to me. To me, this game at best should be a pick them, maybe even Miami a one point favorite. Why is Texas A&M? Texas A&M's coming off a horrible year too. What? Because they're in the S. Because they're in the SEC, we stick them in the top twenty-five. Give me Miami. It's Jimbo Fisher, the returning whatever starter. Give me the Hurricanes plus four and a half. I really don't think I need the points. I think they're winning outright, but I'll take them. That would be so lovely, Emil. I love that pick, by the way. And as well, you know, I don't ever mess with University of Miami football games for obvious reasons. All right, I am going to go Big Ten right away, and I'm going to take Iowa laying four against Iowa State last year. This game was uh, at Iowa State. It was part of um, a debilitating offensive performance, one of many for Iowa last year. They ended up losing 10-7 to to Iowa State. You're not losing back-to-back -back games to Iowa State. If you're the Iowa Hawkeyes, you're at home. Um, you know, I maybe thought this line would be a little bit lower. So, you know. Uh, I like the pick because of one thing. I think Iowa State. I put Iowa State in the ACC similar to NC State to me. When they're home, yes, they're a problem. They're going to get somebody every year at home. It seems like every recently, when I say the last 10 years, it seems like those two teams, when they're home, somebody comes in that's, that's a big-time team and either struggles or loses. Yeah, on I just have a feeling yeah. Iowa State's going to have a problem getting points on the board here. Um, not to say that Iowa's a juggernaut offensively. They just haven't been that. I just think they're going to be full of piss and vinegar after what happened last year, losing 10 to seven. They'll find a way to put more points on this, on the board this season um, in this matchup. And I like them in this. This one game. feels like, I like your pick. It feels like 23, 13 to me. Yes. Something I'm going like to go off the grid. We did all this power five talk. I'm going to slide over and take rice. Now I watched rice in that game against Texas. Um, Wait, are you ordering dinner or are we making football picks? I am not on the Chinese menu. I am making a pick <laughs> here, and it's going to be Rice looking to cook something up against Houston. Emil, I caught some of that Houston game, um, albeit on a on a you know a bar television. But every time I turned around, it was a turnover for Houston, and you know that just doesn't look yeah. like football to me. I think 
when you are odds makers and you're just you're making a you're making lines, you're kind of trying to gauge what the public is going to go for. Sure. I think you saw Rice getting blown out by Texas, but Rice was a bit of a problem for the long. They, listen, Rice hung in that game. They were inside the number, and you know Texas got it got away from them late in the third, early fourth. Yeah. Texas, got, but Rice kind of hung a lot longer than people thought they would. Rice is coming into this thing by way of the who their opponent was in week one. More battle-tested, more prepared for this game against Houston. And I saw nothing, Emil. And by the way, what's Bovada saying our line is in this game, by the way? I think it's – Let me find it for you. You keep it's talking, Houston I'll find your line for you. Yeah, you could – What time could, does that game go off, do you know? I don't have that off the top of my head. I could kind of maybe find that for you. But whatever the time is, give me all those points – with rice plus nine because I saw absolutely nothing. Oh, you got you got nine on that. Yes. What do you have? What's Bovada talking about? I see nine as well. So let's go with nine for the pub. Yeah, for... nothing I saw out of Houston says lay nine against anyone, let alone a rice team that just finished facing Texas. This is going to be a step down in comp for them. So I'm taking rice plus nine. Okay, that's a good one. One of the big biggest... and they're home. And by the way, for folks who don't know their geography, that is a bit of a rivalry. They're in the same city. Yes, stones throw away. All right. One of the biggest shocks this weekend, outside of, you know, uh, what Colorado was able to do against TCU, was Baylor going down um, in their game this weekend. No one saw that coming. I mean, we're not expecting a, a ton out of Baylor this year, but um, Baylor going down in their game against Texas State, who was chock full of you know transfers, it was a big transfer portal weekend, by the way. But they end, oh. up, they end up going down 42-31, which, Amol, you and I have talked personally about it. I've talked about it on the show, how much respect I have for Dave Aranda as a coach, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You can best believe Baylor is going to – they're going to have a hellish week of practice, and they're going to be on their P's and Q's, and Utah is coming in here fresh off of a win against a marquee program like Florida, who, as we described, it was did not come with any kind of flair, intent, anything. And Utah may be a little fuzzy in the head about what they were able to do against Florida. They're going to have the wrong idea when they land um, in this game against Baylor on the road. They are favorites by a touchdown. And I just like the Baylor. Oh, you're getting seven and a half right now. Oh, even better. So give me better, Baylor, yeah. give me Baylor uh, and all those points at home. You know what? I'm not just saying this. That was one I actually looked at myself, uh, and for some reason it didn't make my top three, but I like Baylor there because that's another one where when you see a team like you said, Baylor loses to Texas State, I think the public will run to the window to to get money on Utah. Yeah, and Baylor has to, Emil. They have to respond, or their season's almost dead two weeks in. They have to respond here. Well, just you keep going here now. You got some NFL picks to make because we got to loop around to tomorrow night. Or wait, we're, we're we're recording this show this week, Tuesday night. So in two nights, we got the NFL opener, Chiefs and Lions. Yes, we do. Um, so let's just jump right into it. And all we're going to do here are picks. All the storylines for the NFL will be made by these games um, as we get into them. So the Battle of Ohio is occurring in week one. Cincinnati has been all the rage. Emil, I know they're your uh, pick as by way of our preview show last week. They're one of your picks to go into the NFL um, and to go into the Super Bowl. Hey, listen, we've got 17 of these games. 
I don't know Joe Burrow's stat status going into this. It kind of would not even matter to me. I know this is going to be a different Cleveland football team this year. You've got a full season of Deshaun Watson, a full offseason of Deshaun Watson, a full offseason of I'm, I don't know what happened here. Maybe there's just a whole bunch of other stuff that's gone on, but the whole massage saga, that's gone. We don't hear about it. Don't talk about it. None of that. And I think that's good for Cleveland. They picked up a great playmaker in Elijah Moore in the off season. I like some of the things I've seen them doing with him offensively. I think this is going to be a better football team. That's a lot more confident as they've gone through year by year. And I think they win this opener. It doesn't look as though, um, odds makers are very confident in Cincinnati anyway. Only two and a half point favorites here. I'm going to take Cleveland. Yeah, you're getting two and a half. They still have Nick Chubb. You yes. feel left, you know, they, yeah, yeah, they definitely no, have. I mean, I, I mean, listen, that division we talked about it. That That's a tough division. Um, I could see under certain circumstances, I could see any of those teams winning it if something broke the right way or wrong way. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes. You know, obviously, I think the Bengals and Ravens are the best teams. But who knows? You know, I it's don't know. Maybe like, yes, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. And these two teams don't like one another, the franchise histories. So this is actually a pretty good game to watch on Sunday. Yeah, Cleveland at home. And I think of all the teams, they would be one most likely to start off fast. We'll see how they can yes. finish. But I'll take them there. Amo, what good is week one if you can't take advantage of a rookie quarterback and a brand new head coach. And that's what we get when Jacksonville travels to Indianapolis to face the Colts. Who has had a more tumultuous offseason than the Indianapolis Colts with their, you know, whole situation with their running back is, you know, trade them, doesn't want to play, et cetera, get me out of here. All that good stuff. You mix that in with a rookie quarterback that doesn't have a whole bunch of college football experience coming in. And then a head coach with, what's the head coach's name? Yeah, you don't, don't know. You don't know, and a bunch of people don't know, and that's just a winning combination for me. Especially I do a football podcast, and I don't know who the team's head coach is. Wonderful. What are you doing, Colts? All right. Especially when you get a team that won a playoff game last year coming into town, and they're laying less than a touchdown? Are you serious? Uh, I'm almost scared of this line, but Jacksonville is only four-and-a-half-point favorite. Jacksonville well, four-and-a-half seems reasonable to me, and you got to remember, it's the, it's the NFL here. Man, I had friend. them as a, as a touchdown favorite in this game. So, you know, with three-and-a-half points of, you know. Yeah, I know. Your internal line says touchdown. I'm saying, like, Vegas probably feels that's a little rich first week. So, I, I'm okay with the line. I like the pick. I mean, yeah, I, I got I a two-and-a-half cushion on my seven-point spread. So, I'm going to yeah, take Jacksonville. Yeah. I think they want to start fast. This isn't a team that just wants to ho-hum through their regular season. They're not at that point. So I think they come out. And where there's a winnable game, by golly, I think you should go out and win that winnable win game. Can't see Jacksonville losing here. Give me the Jags, laying four and a half. Okay. And then finally, talking about a little bit of hoopla, I'm in for that last game on the opening week. It's Aaron Rodgers, a New York Jet. And I guess that means... The Jets are going to just win every game, and Aaron Rodgers is going to go nuts. He's in New York. Hooray! Man, the Buffalo Bills are coming to town. And the Buffalo Bills are a solid, seasoned, perennial playoff football team with a big-arm quarterback, great wide receiving core, and a solid football team all the way around. And you have the audacity to only have them laying less than a field goal here. Give me the Buffalo Bills as two-and-a-half-point favorites. They're going to be no stranger to a big kickoff weekend. They did it last year against the Rams. 
And did they or did they not blow them out in that first? Oh, game? I, I think the clue in this game is the two and a half they're given to the Jets because for all the fanfare of Aaron Rodgers, you would think and all the talk of the Jets roster that, oh, this game's a pick em. Maybe the Jets are one. They're telling you the bill, the bills are the stronger team. Now, I don't know if, you know, who knows who wins, but that's how Vegas feels. I, I think giving less than a field goal at the bills here is a great pick. Yeah, I think the I think the Buffalo Bills need to send Aaron Rodgers and the Jets a message and say, "Hey, you're in the AFC East now." All right. Yeah. So, well, listen, if the Jets can win this game, it it could be a springboard. But I I'm with you. So Chad is giving you the Cleveland Browns plus two and a half, the Jags minus four and a half, and the Bills minus two and a half. And I will end our show. I will give you three NFL picks. I'm going to start with the team that lost the Super Bowl last year. And I said in all my preview shows. I usually don't like those teams over the course of a season. I think the Eagles are still going to be a good team, though. And frankly, I feel very good about laying three and a half with the Eagles here. I'm just not into what the Patriots are doing. They're going to have to show me. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to show me, I'm going to have to take some losses, I guess, early. Because I look at this line. This game just feels like something where the Eagles go and win it. Like, I don't know, 27-13, Yeah, it's funny. The number came up in my head right when you said that was 2714. So we're kind of on the same page. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but listen, I'm going to be tripping. Yeah. I'm going to be very surprised if the Patriots score 20 or more points in this game. And if I don't see how they can cover or win the game unless they can break 20. So I don't see it. Um, next one, I'm going out to the West. To me, the Rams are going to be one of the four or five worst teams in the league this year. Hmm. I mean, They've got problems up front. I don't think they fix those on their offensive line. Uh, Matt Stafford's wife is telling people he can't connect with his younger teammates. Pup's still got issues with his injury. They're going to Seattle. I think that place is going to be crazy. Seattle's got good wide receivers. Uh, they're a problem. And, and so I think they can move the ball against, even if the Rams are still decent defensively. I think the offense will hand Seattle some points. To me, this is another blowout. Give me the Seahawks minus five and a half. I wonder what this line would be, Emil, if Russell Wilson was the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. And I think right now they're a better football team with Geno Smith at the control. Oh, I think if, if it was Wilson with the perception of what he was, this is probably a 10-point line. Yeah. And, you know, I hate to do this, but I got, I'm got i making picks. I got to go against my rooting interest. Your son's team is making a trip across the country for a 1 o'clock game without their starting quarterback for the first part of the season. Um, I think the commander's new ownership, I read the game is already sold out. Um, the Washington's got a, a rabid fan base. They're waiting for this team to finally do something. And by damn it, in their opener, I, don't, I can't imagine them disappointing with new ownership, Magic Johnson in the house. I think they go and unfortunately blow out the Cardinals in this game. I think what's, so the, what's the line you have there? Seven. Well, don't feel sorry for me. I'm definitely rooting against that pick. But if that's how you see it, that's how you see it. So recap it here for us. Uh, we're going to go with the Eagles minus three and a half. The Seahawks minus five and a half. And the Washington Commanders, who need a new nickname, by the way. Chad and I have been calling them the Commandos. <laughs> I might get back to calling them the Redskins, especially if the new ownership. The new is owner is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he said that's not off the table. <laughs> no, definitely not off the table. Let's get him back in there and 
restore order, um, at least in Washington. All right, that's it for us. Another week of picks, another week of wrapping up the action on the field. Next week, we're wrapping up both college and NFL action because the full season is here upon us, and we're going to have fun with it all week. Once again, before you leave up out of here, if you have not had a chance to do it, go ahead and subscribe to the show um, and to the channel if you're watching on YouTube so you're on top of everything we've got going on each and every week here on the Two Chumps Football Podcast airing on the Gridiron Studs Network. We appreciate all you guys for listening. Well, until next week, and for Amo Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Enjoy the games. Podcast. Enjoy the games and the weekend, guys. Take it easy.